back to Frey Really, your movie-watching podcast. I am one of your two hosts for this podcast. Uh, I am Jesse. I am kind of recovering from a cold, so I'm sorry if I sound weird or if I accidentally leave any coughs or sniffles in the episode because I'm also tired and I don't want to edit too much. Uh, with me today is our other friend, host, pal, confidant, man I like to talk to, haven't talked to in a couple weeks, Matthew. Hi! Glad and I'm, with me today is also uh, 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 also with me today is a, another clone of Matthew. Say hi, clone of Matthew. Hello. And with me today is another clone of Matthew. Say hi, clone of Matthew. Hi. Oh, and also with me today is my twin brother. Say hi, twin brother. Hello. Uh, sorry, that was that was a bad joke, but I feel like I always have to tie it in somehow to the movie we're talking about. I, you know, I, I'm glad, I'm glad you hosted because I was gonna do the whole Michael Caine monologue at the beginning of this movie, which I still think is is pretty, pretty much gold. <laughs> like, yeah. But then again, Michael Caine could read me stereo instructions, and I'd be like, cool. So we're talking about the 2006 Magician versus Magician movie, the third Magician versus Magician movie that came out in 2006, uh, The Prestige. Okay, what was the other one then? Because I know The Illusionist. The Illusionist. I want to say there was a Woody Allen magician movie that came out that year. Okay, gross. We don't need to worry about it. Then. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> the only reason I know this because like, you know, I was listening to Blank Check and they just out and I'm like listening to their Nolan and they're like, there was three <laughs> magician movies and one of them was a terrible Woody Allen one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, let me see what it was called. Uh, is it Scoop? Yeah, I think it's Scoop is what it's called. That was a magician. That was a magician movie. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. A American journalist and a magician being guided by the spirit to report and investigate a British aristocrat who might be a serial killer. Huh. Movie cost four million dollars to make, and made thirty nine point two million. The movie starred, I mean, of course, starred Woody Allen, Hugh Jackman, Scarlett Johansson, and Ian McShane, and it cost only four million dollars to make. They must have been doing it like on favor. Well, Scarlett Scarlett Johansson wasn't huge yet either. No, but like Ian McShane and Hugh Jackman. I mean, I you know I'll bet you it was pretty hard for Hugh Jackman after the X Men movies because they that's were bad. fair. Or okay, to my memory, they are bad. It's been a long time since I've seen them. I'm not gonna stay married to that, but luckily we're not talking about them. We are talking about the Prestige. The Prestige. So the Prestige is a very good movie. I like to say it's it's neck and neck as my favorite non-Batman Nolan movie. Um, I think it's really tied. What's it between neck and neck with? Inception, I think. Okay. I also rewatched Inception during Thanksgiving, and uh, the movie's very very good. <laughs> yeah. The movie's extremely impressive, uh, but I th- I think narratively though the Prestige is really neat. Just jumping right into it, mm-hmm. how it literally presents its entire hand to you in the first twenty minutes. But you don't get it until the last twenty minutes, uh, or at least some most people like aren't picking yeah. up. Because I watched it with a friend who never seen it before with this time around, and he was like, "Oh, oh, oh!" And like he was like co- connecting it in the last twenty. And I'm like, "Yeah, isn't it kind of neato that they told you all of, all of this stuff in the first twenty though?" Yeah, like I don't know what I don't know what it is. Like, and I'm not trying to be the the edge lord. Like, I predict the sixth sense or anything like that, because that was at the time this movie came out. Like, that was the thing. Like, oh, I saw the sixth sense. It didn't surprise me at all. Fine, whatever. Um, like, I had an idea on the sixth sense, and I kind of had ideas on this movie relatively early on. Yeah, and 
uh, I did find it impressive the way that they lead you that they they barely lead you they barely give you hints to go on and then it's not even like it's not even like you're thinking about them a lot uh but if you were if you remember them all of a sudden you're like wait a minute what could that have meant uh and you said you watched this with a friend who had never seen it before i had watched it with reba She's yeah. pretty sure she had seen it before, but also she is, you know, halfway through a pregnancy and her brain is kind of changing due to that. Um, it's called pregnancy brain. It's actually a thing. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. Like my smart wife forgets a lot of things now. And uh, that's why we're a team. Um, but there were points where she was saying, so wait, what's going on now? And then I basically said, okay, here's what I think is happening. Um, and, uh, much like the sixth sense, I was more or less right. Yeah, I, I think when I first saw it, I was like picking up on the Hugh Jackman clone part. I think what really blew my mind was the Bale twin part that I never really picked up on until like near the end, because that one is the one that they hint at a, like a lot, but there's no visual hints to it except for like you can kind of say one is a visual hint mm -hmm. but for the 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 jackman clone one there's a lot of visual hints for that one yeah um, I, I feel like the i mean i think the jackman clone is the what they call kind of like the distraction or like the the misdirect of the movie and the tw the the bale twin is the real prestige of it all uh i i i i will go with you on that one i think that's probably correct I mean, it's just like they they basically telegraph that like Jackman has clones when you see the original invention, and it duplicates the hats and the and the cats and stuff. Yeah, they they but so I see. I think I thought that stuff was relatively well done. Like they show you the pile of hats like seemingly early on. Yeah, and then you just see them using the machine on the hats, and they're and and uh, they're like, "Yeah, it's, nothing's happening. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about." And they're like, "It's not going anywhere." But then they fight. Then you know they hammer it home. Um, and I, and what I think is a nice piece of audience explanation, I'll say. I don't think it's like handholdy or browbeating or 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 ham fisting anything, but. I do think that the I do think that the I, I have mixed feelings about the cloning thing, and I kind of want to save it for later. If that's yeah, okay. totally. Because I'm I'm trying not to just launch into it now, but uh, but I do I do agree with you that the Bale being a Bale being twins is a, a is like the true you know reveal of the uh, of the movie, yeah. Rather than um, rather than how the movie concludes. And I think, like, they're, they're really starting to telegraph it near the end. And, like, we're all kind of all over the place, but I really want, like, this movie is all about the, the trick, and that's mm -hmm. kind of why I'm focusing on the trick first, and then maybe we talk about performances and then get into issues with the movie. Yeah. But, like, the way Bale's twin is hinted throughout the movie, there's, like, three, there's three, like, key things. Uh, when he gets shot in the, in the hand... Mm-hmm which we'll, we'll go through the plot briefly, but like when you get shot in the hand um, and she's the, going to clean the wound, and this is supposedly like a week later or a couple of days later, she mentions it's like it's fresh still. Yeah. That's a hint. Mm 
mm-hmm. um, how he likes to be called different things by different people. Mm-hmm. And they actively show how that he likes to be. And then w- him telling his wife that he loves her twice. And one day he, she says, this time you mean it. And today, and then like one later he says, today I don't. Like those things are the hints. But to if you're just watching the movie and not like hyper thinking about it, which is an issue I think we both have sometimes when we watch movies like this. Sure, yeah. Um, that's just that's a normal person. That's the way a person is mm-hmm. throughout their life, and then the wound is just like, oh man, that's a really that's a sucky wound. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's a bad wound, and that's why it's still like it's fresh. Yeah. And so, I, and that's what I think when they wait till the last twenty minutes to show you his um, his brother the twin brother in the makeup and stuff that's the first time you really see him face on and then they also put the camera to his gloved hand Mm -hmm. to like show that he's also wearing the gloves that he would wear during the show and like that's when they start like like pay attention to these things they're about to come up again but i think yeah that's why i think that's like really the prestige of it all is because it's so subtle if you're just watching the movie you're like this guy's just like this guy's a centric magician yeah where the the uh, Jackman stuff is like him as a performer in general, like he has a lot, of, he has a lot of stage presence, but he doesn't have a lot of like art to it. Like he, his tricks are very basic compared to Bale's. I found I found my like the Jackman Bale. Well, okay, the Angier Borden relationship in this movie. I I found myself thinking of like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. And their relationship to their companies or properties or however you want to, however you want to view it. I'm not like trying to praise or, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say Elon Musk is kind of a fucktard, but that's just me. Um, but it's like definitely jobs and gates were the show. Yeah. Of those. And the people behind the scenes are the Borden uh, of, of that relationship. Yeah, totally. And I, th- I just found myself thinking about that. I, I think that it, it was, I think that that stuff is pretty well done. I also, I also like how Michael Caine is an intermediary between the two. Um, in terms of, in terms of he's, he's like, this is just the business. You both are, you both are like two separate parts of this business that need to work in concert for it to work for it to like succeed. Yeah. And, and both of them are just sort of at odds with each other, uh, in their methods, mainly because mainly because, uh, they argued when they were apprentices. (laughs) Like it's, I, I, the, the ball rolling, getting the ball rolling in this movie is like wow these two ultimately these two are just really fucking petty yeah and what's interesting about this movie versus kind of other Nolan movies is like I think this is maybe his only one where there's dueling protagonists sure that makes and, sense and I think that's a dynamic that he does really well and like this is also like we should say like directed by Christopher Nolan but written both by Jonathan and him mm-hmm. so it's not just him writing this one by himself yeah. And Jonathan's a really strong co-writer for his movies, but like every, every one of his other movies feel like just like a one man's do, journey to like get to a sense of home, uh, like uh, Inception, Memento, Interstellar. Dunkirk's a bit different because it's a true story. It's a, it's a three planes of action of people trying to get home. Yeah. Um, 
and then, but even like Tenet is like the protagonist trying to find a sense of re- like his name is literally the protagonist. I'm not mm-hmm. messing up his name. Um, trying to get a sense of balance in life, but this movie is his only. Even in Batman movies are like him trying to get sense of his world, but this movie is literally two men being like, "I will do whatever it takes to ruin you." <laughs> Yeah. And it's a really interesting dynamic that he's only done in this movie. Every other movie just has a leading male trying to balance the scales for himself only. Yeah. Or, just I, try, I, or trying to find a little bit of peace. Yeah. Oh, and trying to save the ones he loves. But this one, like, and this is interesting because that was a movie I watched during our long break. But it's about, like, how art will take everything from you. And you kind of have to reconcile that, and these boys can't reconcile that. <laughs> no, they cannot. And they blame each other for it, even though it's literally their own faults that this happens. Well, so here, this is the funny thing about this, like, and and I, I another another aspect of this relationship that is really, really, really well written is, um, and I've seen this in, in my, you know, silly forays into podcasting. I've I've seen I've I've been on pods with co-hosts that are so bent on well and I I say so bent but like they are definitely more driven to uh, becoming well known yeah whereas me I've always been the one who's just like I just want to talk like that's all I want to do I, I yeah I've, I've never I've never been good at promoting myself I've never been good at like like choreographing getting on a stage. Like I've I've never been you know, like, if someone asked me to organize a PAX panel or a panel at a convention of any kind, it would be the worst thing in the world because I my mind for this type of thing doesn't work that way, and I think that and and I'm not saying that I am either Hugh Jackman or Christian Bale in this movie, but I think that Hugh Jackman is just like I need to get famous and Christian Bale is I want to blow people's minds and be remembered yeah and i i think that you 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 see that play out in all sort in all sorts of like the art world the media world you see you see all of that some people just want to be known and some people want to actually push craft forward in whatever medium they may work in and uh, I, I do like that dichotomy in this film. I think it's, I think it's definitely, I think it, <laughs> for some reason I found myself thinking about Van Gogh. Like what if Van Gogh had a rival like this rather than just being a sad boy? Well, you know, it's funny. There's, there's a movie that maybe one day we'll cover. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it. Um, Bomba Deus is kind of like this in some ways, except and Amadeus, um, what's his name, realizes that Beethoven wasn't like wasn't trying to be his rival the whole time. He was just being himself. Yeah, he he was just being Mozart. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, and and for for that, if you ever wanted, if you wanted to co- ever wanted to cover Amadeus, oh, I'm here for it. Amadeus rules. I haven't seen Amadeus since college. That's so it's been a long time, and I don't think we even finished it in college. We watched like most of it. Right. Um. But but yeah, I think that's uh yes, yeah, that's so, so super interesting. Um, so yeah, the brief plot, like this movie doesn't have like a heavy plot. It's just a lot of like the plot is light. So the actors can act. I feel like, yeah, no, that makes sense. I, yeah. I, I think other than maybe Scarlett Johansson, which I like Scar- Scarlett Johansson in a lot of movies, 
she's probably the weakest out of the three leads or out of the four leads because I think uh, Sarah, the uh, Rebecca Hall, is the. Other. Um, she's, she feels like she's given the least to work with. Yeah, she's not given a lot of space, and this yeah. in in the space that Nolan kind of has her is is kind of shoehorned into a, a trope. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Where at least Sarah like is kind of a her character's kind of a trope. Rebecca Hall's character's kind of a trope, but like sh- she's acting against Christian Bale, who's giving her something. Yeah. Where I feel like most of Johansson stuff is with Jackman, and Jackman's not really playing towards her; he's playing towards the camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's looking he's looking through her the entire time. Yeah. Uh, so basic thing is Christian Bale's character Borden, uh, Alfred Borden, and Hugh Jackman's character Robert uh, Angier. The names their assistants to a magician, and uh, Angier's wife, uh, played by Piper Parabo. Yes. Uh, is the magician's technical assistant who's on stage, mm-hmm. and she always gets dropped in the case of water at the last act. And she miraculously gets out, and that's the that's the goal. And Christian Bale's uh, Borden and Azure tie their knots and drop her in for him. Uh, and one night, Christian Bale's like, "We should do harder uh, knots so it looks more realistic." And uh, Hugh Jackman's like, "No, that's my wife. Please don't do that. Uh, I like her to be alive." <laughs> well, well, actually, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there. Uh, yeah. it's Michael Caine is saying, "Hey, you're dropping your knots, like." And if you if you tie the wrong one, she might not be able to get out. Yeah, and, and Michael Caine's Cutter, who's like a very like he's a good trick maker, but he doesn't do the magic. Yeah. Um. So one trick, she can't get free, and she ends up drowning. Mm-hmm. And Hugh Jackman basically blames Christian Bale for it because Christian Bale cannot remember what knot he tied. Yes. Then they decide to become magicians on their own. Uh, Christian Bale starting with a bullet catch. Yep. After being the assistant with another magician for a while and falling in love with Rec Hall's character. And she's like, isn't that dangerous? He's like, nah, nah, you gotta learn the secret. And he tells you the secret, which is you don't actually load it with a bullet. Yep. Hugh Jackman shows up in disguise uh, at one of Christian Bale's performances and loads the gun with a real bullet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And shoots his fingers off. Yes. Um, trying to kill him, but ends up missing because someone intervenes. Then Hugh Jackman's like, well, I'll just steal Christian Bale's trick, which his new trick is the reappearing man, right? Transported man. But yeah. Oh, transported man. Where basically he appears within seconds uh, across the room. Yeah. So he does this by hiring an... This is all like... I'm telling it literally. This this movie is split up between past, yeah, present... Yeah, it, it does some pretty tricky intercutting. Um, it's it's three layers of action, but it's all it's two layer it's two layers of past and one layer of present. Yeah, like as most Nolan movies, he does usually does three layers of time mm-hmm. action, uh, except for Batman. They're not he, they tell him no, he's not allowed to do that in Batman. Yeah, <laughs> but at literally every other movie is like different layers of action, which is which I love. I think that's what that's the Nolan signature. That's why everybody goes to see his movies for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, so. Jackman's like, I'll steal that by getting a assistant, Scarlett Johansson, and hiring an actor that looks just like me. And so he does that. But the actor is a drunk. And uh he and he's like, I need I need to know how Bale does this trick though. So Scarlett Johansson, how about you go try to seduce him and get me his notebook? Right? Yes, and tell him why you're doing it. But in doing so, she also tells him that how Jackman is doing his uh transported man. And Bale then gets that guy real drunk, yep. kidnaps him, yep. then takes the platform out from underneath Jackman's trick, so he breaks his leg, yep, permanently giving him a limp, mm-hmm. 
and then makes a fool out of him and says, hey, why don't you go see my real trick at my show? And then he becomes more famous again. Yeah. So after that, uh, Jackman then kidnaps Bale's assistant and buries him alive uh-huh. and says, hey, you want him back? Give me the give me the secret to your trick. And oh, no, the secret to your journal and the how you do your trick. And he's like, the code word to my journal is the secret to my trick. And the code word is Tesla, who is played by David Bowie. With assistant played by Andy Circus, which is like this is great casting, and I'm glad they're in the movie. <laughs> yes, yeah, I was, I could, I when I first saw Andy Circus, I'm like, man, I hope to see him again, and then you see him a lot more, <laughs> and then, and then I, I was not aware that David Bowie played Nikola Tesla, and uh, I, it made me really happy to see Bowie in a movie again. And he's really good. Yeah, he's fantastic. Bowie's a great boy. Was a good actor. Mm-hmm. Um. So, anyways, Jackman pays Bowie a lot of money to make him a trick, and the trick is basically an actual cloning device. But the clone gets teleported like twenty meters away, and you can you can specify where the clone gets teleported to. So Jackman takes his device and decides he's going to do a hundred more shows. That's it, premium mm-hmm. shows, uh, and it, it works. And Bale gets very jealous of it, and uh, his wife commits suicide because of how weird Bale's acting and thinking that he's sleeping with Scarlett Johansson. Um, and he's like, I'm ruined. Everything's ruined. I can't do this anymore. I need to know how Jackman's doing this trick. So he goes to find out. Uh, and when he does that, he sneaks below stage and he sees Jackman's body drop into the water case that his first wife or his, his, his wife, he didn't get remarried. His wife drowned in and Jackman's now drowning and people think Bale killed him. Well, yes. Michael Kim finds him and, th- and accuses him of killing Hugh Jackman. Correct. Uh, that is Bale the opening gets, scene in the movie, I believe. That, yeah, that's how the movie opens. Mm-hmm. Um, Bale gets sentenced to prison, uh, gets sentenced to hang uh, someone from a rich man's estate. I can't remember what they call him. Lord uh, Cordlow? Cordlow, yes. From Lord Cordlow's estate, asks if they could buy Christian Bale's tricks. Christian Bale says no. He says, well, if you let us buy your tricks, you will take care of your daughter and mm-hmm. let, let you see her one more time. He's like, fine, here are my tricks. And when Corlo shows up, uh, it's Hugh Jackman. Yes. And he's like, oh, you're not. I didn't kill you then. That means I should be free. But that's not how it works. So Christian Bale tells his uh, his twin, who's has been his assistant the whole time, that you need to take care of this. And while Christian Bale is hanging, he says, uh, are you watching closely? And Christian Bale's twin brother shows up where Hugh Jackman is taking care of all of the corpses that he's been using mm-hmm. and kills him and explains to him that it's been a twin the whole time. You should have believed us when we said we were just using a double and <laughs> then walks away. It, takes it was Michael. It was Michael Caine saying it was a double. Oh yeah. And, it was Michael Caine the whole time saying it was and double. Be, it's like, and the big misdirection was, and, and the big misdirection was actually just pure honesty when, um, earlier in the movie, Christian Bale is talking like sacrifice for the form. Yeah, like and, they they go to they go to see a a, a real magician that happened like was a real life magician, mm-hmm. who um who would carry a water bowl between his legs the entire show and that's how he did like a, a really special magic trick. Yeah. But then when he would leave, he would still be carrying the bowl. Mm-hmm. And like he did that for ages, and so everyone thought he was hobbled essentially. Yeah, but really, what he was, he was just dedicated to the craft really yeah. well. And that's the same thing with Bale. He's like, I've been nothing but dedicated. I cut off my own fingers for this for this job. 
My um, brother cut off his finger yeah. for, these, for this job. And we loved two women. We lived half a life, and we thought if we could just be happy doing that, we'd be good. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the movie kind of ends with a bittersweet ending, because Borden is technically still alive. It's his brother who dies. Correct. It's the twin that dies. Um, so he gets his actual daughter, um, and then gets to walk off into the sunset, but it's, it's still a very somber end to everything. Yeah. Right, so that's the plot. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that this is out of all the bail performances I've seen, this is maybe top three. Okay. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't know um, what that ranks for you. Uh, so I, in terms of, in terms of, I can't think because it's, before doing this show, it was a long time where I was just not watching a whole lot of movies. Uh, I can't think of a lot of Bale performances. The only ones I think of are this, uh, Bale Bat, which I do like, and uh, American Psycho, which I also like. Uh, and I would have to, I would have to painstakingly go through his filmography, and I'm not going to do that on the show. Do you ever see The Fighter? No, I have not seen The Fighter. I won't go through anymore. Um. He's great though in Ford versus Ferrari. See, and I want to see that. I keep we should do that. For, we should for do that, that for the show. I do want to see that movie because uh, it's someone who's been kind of fascinated by racing, at least in in terms of video games. Uh, I I I do want to watch. Um, but I think I think I think Bale's performance is the performance in this movie. Yeah, I think I think my Bale performances are Howl's Moving Castle, this, and probably Ford. I did not realize that was Christian Bale in Hell. Yeah, he's the voice all. of the English version of Hell. Oh, oh. He's very good. <laughs> he's yeah, very he good is. Yeah, it. he fucking rules in that movie. Holy crap. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll add that one to Bale movies I've seen. Um, but then even Jackman, like, I, I think Jackman's really good at being a man on the edge. And once his wife dies, that's all Jackman becomes for most of this movie. Yeah. There's a, I'm, I'm with you there. Like, he, he, he can do unhinged really well. It's third act Jackman that's really interesting because he has to be restrained and he he real he knows what he's about to do, and once you know once you know what Jackman's when once you know what uh, uh, Azir's plan is, you can read Jackman playing the guy who's like I'm about to do something horrendous, mm-hmm. but yeah. I, I'm going to do it and nothing can stop me from doing. It. Yeah, what a cool like extra like tidbit of information of him having blind stage hands for that final yeah like i so okay i know there's like, there's, there's going, logic I, I, jumps in this i'm gonna i'm gonna go into some shit right now uh yeah go into your, your problems with it ultimately like okay i'm i'm not going to i'm going to say like if we've not spoiled it enough yet uh i'm going to get real real spoilery here so uh there are a lot of touches in this movie that i find absolutely brilliant the the whole nodding towards Bale being twins, all of the gesturing towards that. Cause it's very subtle. It's very intricate and it's very, there's double edges to that. Like the first time you see Christian Bale say, I love you to Rebecca Hall. And she's like, it seems like you love magic more than me today. I thought, I think that is just such a poignant little bit of dialogue, mainly because uh, I am a person in the world with a lot of interests that are not shared by my partner. And because she is so supportive, she like lets me be 
she she lets me you know play in the toy store and then when i when i regale her with like stories or or whatever she she's very supportive and i'm pretty sure we've had similar interactions like that where I, she's like no i think you love your hobbies today that's all right but but you don't really think about it even when even like seeing this for the first time i'll say you don't really think about it even when she goes the other way later on uh but i think for me it was one of the interactions with uh, a person following Bale around named Fallon, who you eventually it's revealed that that Fallon and Borden are the same guy. Um, well, the, I say the same guy, but they're sw- it's the two brothers switching places uh, the entire time, and they use the transported man trick to like switch characters. So they would ha- so they would both live half a life, you know, in the shadows, half a life on the stage, all that. Uh, what I don't, what what pissed me off more than anything else was the cloning. Yeah, okay. Not because I, th- well, A, I do think it's kind of stupid, number one. Uh, but that's, sh- again, this is all opinion now. What I don't like about it is you are giving, you are giving it so late, so briefly, that you have to go back and find out and, and figure out when it started when it and where it is now whereas everything up to that point the chronology despite you know as you said before two three different layers of action um intercutting time periods uh you know not everything being completely linear in this everything else makes sense and then they just throw oh yeah this is cloning now and i'm like i feel like that is a cop out now i get it it's the whole thing like you know the transported man being a double taken to a very weird extreme uh because you know it's the you know the the magician taking something normal and and making it extraordinary i get that that's what that's that's what the movie sets out to do it tells you in the first 20 minutes as we've said on this show um but i it is, it is frustrating, it is silly, and I found it, ultimately, it wrecked the movie for me. It wrecked the it wrecked the movie for Reba, too. Like, we were like, man, this could have been so much better, but I don't know how. Like, <laughs> Reba and I were both like, I don't know how to change this to make it better, or make it more plausible, or make it, or even make it realistic, which I, I know is ultimately a, a silly, but but I, I we both were, like, sitting here going this that 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 ain't it and at the we were also like just as dazzled by bale's performance being an actual double two twins sacrificing bits of themselves for the role and for the art and for the craft like there's something beautiful in that and uh and i think it's it's let down ultimately because the cloning aspect is just I'm going to say thrown in. I don't think it feels like it's thrown in in terms of like how it's put in in the movie. I just feel like if we're given a bit more time to sit with it or if it maybe even if it's just delivered to the audience in a different way. Yeah, I think for me, like the cloning, it's kind of threefold, which I think is interesting. 
or what they're and, and and we don't know what anybody's going for unless we actually have Nolan on here to talk to us, which that'd be cool. But yeah, I Nolan, come happen. on, I'll talk to you. Um, I'm not going to be a dick about it either. But but for me is like it's the idea that Jackman wants to be a better showman. Yes, which is all the lightning and stuff like that. Yes, but two, Jackman never is as committed as Bale, so it's easier for him to kill somebody to do his trick than to actually like take the time to make a double, like actually like find someone and craft a double. Um, and I know like the, it's the cloning thing. And it's like, it's a, it's a jump, it's a leap, Mm -hmm. but they say it when, um, when he goes to Tesla's place and they see, he sees all the lights without any wires. Yeah. And he talks about how that's pure magic. And so like, that's kind of like the idea that they're going with the science is like real magic. And so this is like a real magic thing. But I, I I like the idea of its showmanship. It's Jackman cheating, yes, by not actually dedicating himself and taking the easy way out. But the yep. easy way out is still atrocious. Yep. Um, he, he threw money at it and murder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and and it it's too complicated. Which when it goes back to kind of um, Cutter Michael Caine's character's original point is. Magic isn't about being complex. It's about distraction and it's about sacrifice. You have to be able to distract the person and you have to be willing to kill the bird. Yes. And Jackman might be willing to kill the bird, but like not in the way he's supposed to. <laughs> like he not in the, not in the way he want. He actually, he, he doesn't want to kill the bird. He's going to make someone else do it. Mm-hmm. Is kind of what he's going for. While Bale is willing to do that every night. Um, yeah. And so like, I get like the clone feeling kind of shoehorned in, but I feel like it's, I think overall it's pretty well telegraphed that like science is magic in this world and you're dealing with Tesla who was a, a, kind of touted as like a kind of a freak of nature um, yeah. when it came to science and, and stuff like that. And then I think it also plays into Jackman's kind of personality in the movie. So that's why like it doesn't feel like a, a shark leap, but I get not being able to reconcile it. Right, and and I'm not sitting here and saying I'm not I'm not sitting here and and saying, like this movie is bad because of it because I don't think this movie is bad. I will I mean I will say what I said like that sort of made me not like it. Yeah, it takes you uh, out of it. And and I and I say that like and I waited specifically to to say all of that because I did want to point out that there's some cool shit happening in this movie. And I also, I all, I mean, thinking about like the entire section where Tesla's involved and that that scene with the light bulbs in in Andy Circus, I think the 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 funny thing I see now, um, just as someone who is, I I am not, I am not embedded in the scientific world. I I I have a science adjacent job, and it's very distant adjacent. Uh. I'm not like on the cusp of anything. I'm not at the cutting edge. I'm not out. I'm not out there doing the weird research, but I do find all of that stuff fascinating. And I do find it funny that for this movie taking place in the late 1890s, uh, which if you're keeping score at home, 1895 is when my job was discovered, (laughs) which is x-ray. And this is within four years of that. So yeah. like, so this is like light bulbs have just become a thing. Uh, Edison is out there, you know, with his smear campaign against Nikola Tesla. There's a lot of, there's a lot of 
scientific things moving to the forefront. And I think that so little has changed between now and then because I think a lot of us don't understand how any of what we use on the regular works. <coughs> yeah. And one thing that one thing that I, I, I did find heartening in this is that it was cool to see the magicians in awe of science. You don't see it for very long. There's not a real diatribe about it. But like the scenes that nod to that are there and present and they rang for me. And I was really happy for that. That made because ultimately there's a whole lot of scientific things that happen on the regular that many big brain people analyze and explain to a point. Whereas most of us look at that and go, I I don't understand that. I don't know how you got there, but thank you for going there. And then there's other there are other sections of the population where that's just fake. You're lying to me because there's no way that I can understand that. Yeah. Uh, I I I mean there were there was there was a lot of that in this movie, and and those were the points where I was just like, ah, this is very nice, despite the fact that ultimately it just Hugh Jackman being cloned and killing a clone every show for a hundred shows uh didn't really i was like hmm, i don't know i'm i don't know how i feel about that took me out of it like you said yeah I and mean, i totally respect that taking you out of it yeah it's one of those things and i think every nolan movie has that honestly i really do where you are either like i am on board with this 100 percent, or i'm not and it kind of sours the rest of the movie with you um, I think like it's my nose good stuff. Sorry about that. You're okay. You're okay. But uh, turn that um, <laughs> you want to take think, a second, blow your nose? No, no, it's fine. Okay. Um, I don't have any tissue right now. If, no problem. Uh, no problem. But Inception, it's like I think Limbo is a hard thing to swallow. And Inception, rewatching that. Yeah. Um, Interstellar, it's when uh, uh, Conaghy is in the black hole and he's given like he's helping. I think Dunkirk's too straightforward. Anyway. I mean, Dunkirk's issue is like, can you follow it? Because <laughs> there's so little dialogue that it might be hard for people to follow. Tenet's, Tenet's main concept is either you're in it or you're out of it. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I think there's always something in Nolan movies that are kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing for even the, at least the the, la- the second two Batman movies can yeah. be like that. Um so yeah, I think this is one of those ones that doesn't doesn't vibe with you, which I think is totally fair. Sure. I have friends who really don't vibe with Interstellar, and I'm like, huh, I never really thought about that, but it works. Yeah. See, that's I totally need to watch Interstellar. I haven't. Yeah, I think I think that might. The thing about Interstellar is he wanted to do that movie because science was like was sound in that movie. Yeah. Like it's not. It's, no one's done it, so no one knows if it's true or not. But like, it was well researched enough that he's like, this is like actually sound enough that I want to like make something real. Yeah. And like, I also, um, like I found, I, I think that there's as someone who genuinely loves inception. Now I haven't seen it since it first came out and I have seen a lot of people go like, well, actually inception is blah, 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 blah. I, al- I also fall into the camp that 
um, most of this movie <laughs> is kind of a metaphor for cinema uh, because you know, I mean, there, there's, there's the three acts. First of which is you bring a story, make it different, and then you 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 close you close big essentially. That doesn't always work the same way, you know, with every movie or it's it's a it's a sliding scale and whatnot. But I think that if uh, you don't have to buy every film you watch to get something fun out of it or 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 get something thought provoking and i i think that with inception i was definitely just more on board than i was with the prestige yeah totally i mean as as the as the lesser of the two as, as the lesser comic book person on this show i was more on board with all three batman movies than I was with the prestige. Now I'm not saying all three Batman movies are good, mind you. I'm just saying I was more on board with them. I think all three are good. I just I think two of them are stronger than one of them. For sure. For sure. I wasn't I was I wasn't about to get into that because I know that if I get you going on Batman we'll be here a while. <laughs> so I think overall um I think we both agree that the performances minus Scarlett Johansson are very strong. Yes. Uh, you just kind of fell off with the clone part, but I think I think we also agree like the structure of the movie is very well done, and having it do three is a fun way to tell such as a linear story. For sure, hundred percent. I mean, Christopher Nolan's a fantastic filmmaker. I'm not here. I'm not here to say that he did. I'm not saying. I'm not here to say he did a bad job. Uh, I'm not going to say he's not made a bad film because I haven't seen all of them. Yeah, but. I do know this, like, he's not made, he, and not all of them have been home run. Yeah, totally. Um, and also, he's, I, if I remember correctly, he's one of the ones that are saying, you must go see my... Yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of debate for that. Yeah, I get it. Not, going, not for us. I get it. Going to the movies is a great thing. I miss it, too. However... But uh, it's also an accessibility <laughs> issue. Yeah. However, like read the read the world we live in. Um, um but I do. I mean, no, we're not going to we're not going to that debate because sure. all there's all about like who makes money in that and stuff like that too. Exactly. Um, that that becomes the issue is like it's less of to the biggest issue with that. I'll just say I'll stop my say the biggest issue is it. that is um it's corporations getting richer while creative artists are getting kind of screwed out. That's kind of where the issue lies. So there's better deals for streaming. Uh, thing about movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, Matthew, what have you been watching? So, uh, I st- Reba and I started watching one movie. We have not finished it. It is, I believe it. I believe the title of it is Weird. Oh, the Weird Al movie. The Weird I also Al- started it the other night, and I did not finish it. Um, so we, I think we are about an hour through it. We're probably going to just start it over and rewatch it again. Never have I ever in a film so many times for so many different reasons said the phrase, fuck this shit while laughing my ass off as I have during this movie. 
I haven't even finished it, and this might be one of the best movies I've seen in at least a decade. Um, I'm not saying it's better than all of them I've seen in the last decade, but man, it is it is brilliantly done so far. Um, so I will I will finish it and report back. Uh, what I have spent the most time with is uh, is sports ball. What ball? Because the World Cup started November twentieth. Uh, it is we are on day nine of the World Cup. It goes till December eighteenth. All I know is that the U.S. and U.K. tied. Uh, n- no. Or did actually, they not tie? They did not tie. Uh, Internet lied to me. Uh, no. That they yeah the 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 England have seven points and the U.S. have five. I believe. Saw when they played. Oh, when they played. Oh, I thought you're talking about in the in the standings in their group. No, that happened for sure. Um, so I I've watched every single World Cup game for every World Cup since 1994. Uh, this is one of this is the every two years this international soccer kind of becomes my personality, uh, and I'm so thankful that it, that Reba has not like, you know said hey you need to stop this bullshit but uh this world cup and i'm going to i'm going to say it it's one of the best i've ever seen i'm also not going to discount all of the hypocrisies that come with watching it because it is in a nation that bought its opportunity to host it and they have built this entire spectacle on the backs of slave labor like there there is so there there is such a geopolitical uh shitstorm to unpack with the world cup in qatar i just know that fifa as an organization sucks this world cup is uh problematic however the the soccer has been entertaining and i don't think it's been entertaining enough to overshadow any of that but it hasn't stopped me loving it uh, and I know that there's, there are things I have to grapple with every time I put on a match. Uh, I I was lucky today. Today the U.S. played Iran in their final group game. They won one nothing, so they go through to the round of 16 where they will face the Netherlands. I was just very happy that my job let me wear my jersey because it's the only time I ever put anything U.S. related on my body is when the U.S. are playing um, because I know that like. This country can be a political shitstorm most of the time. Uh, but this this World Cup is full of entertainment and drama and upsets, and it is everything anybody that likes this game could enjoy. Uh, watching Saudi Arabia beat Argentina in the group stage was a wild time watching iran beat wales who wales have one of the best players in the world uh probably one of the best players ever on their squad i know soccer is more of a team game than most team sports but still like watching them win that game was was cool Watching Japan beat Germany, uh, a team a team that has in the past ten years won a world, 
won a World Cup, and I believe they won Euro 2012. So, yeah, this it, it's been it's been a wild time. Uh, lot, lot, lots of goals and lots of fun. Even the draws have been entertaining. But I I'm I'm more of a sucker for a, a nil nil draw than I am someone getting beat five to one. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see the U.S. go to the knockout stage once again. I know we're probably not long for this tournament. I'd like to see us beat the Netherlands. I'm not sure it'll happen if I'm being 100% honest with myself. Uh, but yeah, I really love this tournament. And if anybody wants to talk about it, please hit me up on the social medias. I will be happy to talk your ear off. Jesse. Yes. You've been watching stuff movie related, I assume. Yeah, I, I spent most of my <laughs> Thanksgiving break watching. <laughs> nice. Um, I watched a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm recording because I've been busy. Um, and I would I could talk about some of those movies. Okay. Uh, the Banshee. Did I talk about the Banshees of in Airship? Uh, I don't think so. I want you to kind of hold back a lot because I do want to see that movie. That movie is great. Go watch yeah. it. Okay, when you good. watch it, maybe we'll do an episode on it. Right. Um, I watched uh, Raging Bull. Pretty great. Uh, mm-hmm. The Menu. Pretty great. Uh, yeah. Deep Cover. Pretty great. Yeah. But since I've watched The Prestige, I've watched 13 other new movies. There you so go. We'll talk about some of those instead. Go right um, ahead. Glass Onion, the new Knives Out movie by Ryan Johnson. It's everything I want in a mystery. Nice. That makes so, me happy. I want to see that movie so badly. Yeah, it's out of theaters, I think, tomorrow. Because Netflix is stupid one week theater run, mm-hmm. but it is on streaming in a couple weeks. So, yep. watch Saving Private Ryan for the first time. Oh, <laughs> that's a that's a heavy one. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about that real quick. What what are you what are your thoughts on Saving Private Ryan? We have to go super into it because I know we're running a bit late anyway. But yeah, did you how, how did you find Save It for Saving Private Ryan? I found it good. I found it that if I watched this probably when I was, if I probably watched this five years ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to finish it. Personality has changed a lot when it comes to war movies. Okay. Um, but I found it good. Um, I did not find it excessive. I found it interesting how, I'm curious if, I mean, Spielberg and Hanks are trying to do another mini series about Air Force. Yeah. The Air Force stories, and they're doing, I think, with Apple is who they're doing that one with. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I haven't watched any of the miniseries yet, but I'm curious how that changes now that both of them are older. Sure. Because some of the dialogue and stuff in this movie is a bit harsh, but I think like, that's just kind of how it was. I think people were just, it was bad. It was a bad time by everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I watched Dunkirk, and watching Dunkirk after watching Save Private Ryan, it's like, is that's it? Don't do that. Uh, no, that's just, a lot. Well, it's a lot, but not just that. Like Dunkirk loses something because Nolan can't get dirty. Uh, yeah. Nolan doesn't like his movies being dirty. Uh, so, so even Dunkirk, Dunkirk being Dunkirk yeah. has Killian Murphy in it, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. He's just what... called like the Shivering Passenger. Or something. Yeah, I think that's that's what that I think that's. And a brief cameo from Harry Styles, is that right? Yeah, he's he has a talking role. Um, okay, I, I I think Harry Styles might be has more lines than uh, Tom Hardy. 
Yeah, and I'm just I'm just trying to remember. I'm pretty sure that Reba and I watched that earlier this year. Yeah, Dunkirk and... is is a really harrowing movie about survival, but it's just so clean compared to Saving Private Ryan. Um, Ryan is such a dirty movie, and like, and like, and what's so interesting is I've been watching a lot of like Spielberg I've missed. Mm-hmm. This might be the harshest R Spielberg's ever done. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think it has to be. Yeah. Um, He's only made like three or four other R-rated movies, so yeah. But like, I mean, I I think that I think that there's a certain majesty to a lot of scenes in Saving Private Ryan. When people say like the first twenty minutes of that movie is some of the greatest things ever filmed, yeah, I'm with that. I think in the past ten to fifteen years of my life, I have grown. Um more annoyed at the deification of that generation. Yeah, totally. Uh, but that's, I think that's more of a me thing than, I, than, I think, than the, I think the movie. issue, uh, no, I totally get what you're saying. I think the issue with that though, is people speaking on that generation's behalf more than. Um, sure. Makes a lot of sense now, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you, that, that, but you weren't, you didn't do that. So why are you speaking on their behalf about yeah. what they think about everything? Um, so there, there's that. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is like, there's people that have been trying to do this. I feel like since this movie and I need people to stop that <laughs> for sure. Um, like the stuff I've seen, I'm like Hacksaw Ridge and stuff. I'm like, you're just trying to be as gritty as, and I need yeah. you to not. Well, and then when Clint Eastwood did his, like, Flags of Our Fathers double movie, like, or, or no, um, not Flags of Our Fathers. Um, yeah, it was Flags Sam- of Our Fathers in, um, and there's Letters some- from Iwo Jima. Yes. The, the, okay, Flags of Those Our Fathers. Those came out the same year, yeah. Yeah, and they're, like, two stories from different sides. Different sides of the war, just yeah. Like, just, like, you're just trying to do Saving Private Ryan with a Norman Rockwell veneer. And it doesn't work. Yeah, because I think for the biggest thing about Saving Private Ryan is it doesn't paint everybody in that troop as good either. Like, there's times where they're like, they just kill guys who surrendered. And like, what did they say? I don't know. They said something about washing their hands and they wanted to show us. Yeah. And like, stuff like, so like, they're they're committing war. Like, it doesn't shy away from us committing war crimes. For sure. Um. So I think that's interesting. I think people kind of forget that part. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a whole section where they're trying to figure out if they're going to kill somebody who surrendered, like execute them mm-hmm. because one of their men died during the battle. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's all that. But anyways, and I'll let her know, watch Hail Caesar. That's a fun movie. You should watch it. Uh, last, that's the last, I think, actually written and directed by both Conan Brothers movie. It's about old Hollywood. Um, basically, uh, let me give you the synopsis. Josh Brolin plays basically a Hollywood fixer for... Oh, Okay. Um, and it's about him trying to fix some a random selection of people uh, problems in. Huh. George Clooney plays an actor who gets kidnapped and gets tried to convert to be a communist. Scarlett Johansson's a pregnant Scarlett who's not married. Ralph Phineas is uh, a Ralph, Ralph Fiennes. I do that every time. Ralph Fiennes is Rafe a director. Fiennes. Right, right. Is it Ralph Fiennes? I thought it was Ralph Fiennes. It's. I. I, I think it's Rafe actually. I think uh, it's Ray Fines. I just remember Coffee Talk from Saturday Night Live. Ray Fines' name is neither Rafe nor Fines. Discuss. Um, but anyways, he's a director trying to get a good performance out of a bad actor. Uh, 
stuff like that. It's very fun. It's a lot of fun. Now, why do you say it's the last written and directed by both Coen brothers? They just did they just stop working together, or so far as I no one or, knows, as far as I know, that if there's okay. like an actual real like rift between the two, but I want to say Joel is did Macbeth and he's doing something else, and Ethan is doing something else by himself, and they have not made it. They're like there's no announcement of them making something together. Oh, okay. And this came out in 2016, and they usually have they would usually have something out by now. Yeah, I I have a feeling they're just they've I mean, done you make a lot, they've done a lot of for work, twenty years. So it's like yeah, <laughs> they've done a lot of great work since the eighties. So um, yeah. before I get to my favorite movie of the year and of what I watched this year, um, watch Poltergeist for the first time. The movie's just okay. Um, sure, yeah, that's no, fine. I watched Paddington too. That movie's pretty uh, where the wild things are. That is not a kids movie, but it is a movie about childhood. Um, yeah. But lastly, my favorite movie of the year. Talk about Spielberg one last time. I saw The Fablemans. Okay. And uh, I've heard the name. Actually, it's it's a it's a semi biographical movie about Spielberg's life, about his parents' divorce and him becoming a filmmaker. Childhood years, and there's a lot, there's a lot of few a lot of people made the argument if this if this wasn't about Spielberg, no one would care about this movie. Okay. But if this, even if this wasn't about Spielberg, but it was still the same movie, mm-hmm. it would be an it would be a, a a standout movie about what you have to sacrifice if you're gonna do your art. Hmm. Um, Judd Hirsch is in this movie for like two scenes, nice. Um, and he has one of the best monologues about like if you're going to do your art, you're going to have to neglect something else. Yeah, usually it's relationships around you. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant movie. It's probably my favorite movie of the year, even though I've seen Batman seven times. Uh, <laughs> this is still probably my favorite. Uh, end of the year and list will come eventually. Let's just let's just say this is your favorite movie of the year because you don't want to play the type. I get it. Yes, yes, yes exactly. That's what it is. <laughs> um, now, I've been thinking about it since I saw it on Saturday, and I haven't really stopped, and I just want to see it again. Yeah. Um, anyways, so yeah, that's why I'm watching. Uh, Matt, where can people find you on the internet? You can find. Oh, actually, before we do that, we oh yeah, what are we watching next week? What are we? What are we doing next? Or next episode? So it's between the three movies, depending on what we watch. Yes. Um, if me and Matthew can both make it to the theaters, we're going to talk about Violent Night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's either uh, Scrooged or what did I pick? What did I, was it called? Holiday Affair. Yes, Holiday Affair. Holiday Affair. Those are the two movies that we picked for Christmas, and at the end of the year, we will be going over. Sight and Sound top hundred movies of the time of all time. Yeah, they do it every ten years, and I figured Jesse and I have been doing this for almost two years now. Yeah, it would be fun to end the year. With and it. it would be, it would just be fun to look at this, look at what comes out on this list, and just have some talks about it. Probably yeah. not break down all of the things <laughs> that are on it. We probably haven't seen all of them, right? But like, let's. I feel like it would be a, a, a cool thing to like maybe talk about them and and just uh see where we can go from there so, um so now people can find me at, i'm still gonna keep my twitter at infinite underscore rewind uh i briefly tried hive don't like hive because it's just more twitter uh i'm going to i think co-host is probably going to end up being my social media uh, uh du jour because i i like 
the vibes there a lot more than I liked Hive. Uh, I got on, started finding people I know, and immediately I was like, oh, we're just doing what we just got tired of seeing on Twitter. So I'm, I'm, I, I, I noped out of that. Uh, so look for me on Twitter at infinite underscore rewind, also on Instagram at infinite underscore rewind, or on co-host, cohost.org slash infinite dash rewind. Uh, you can also find me co-hosting a couple of the podcasts. Um, my Jesse's and my mutual friend, Caroline, friend of this show, uh, do a music podcast every two weeks to try and make ourselves, possibly you, feel better through eight song playlists of an artist or uh, a theme. We go from a negative headspace to a positive one. Both extremes are decided by dice rolls. We recently recorded uh, about the legendary California punk band X with our buddy Don Everhart from Gainer's Glasses. That will be out this week uh but this week is when we're recording so um look for it it'll be out by the time this this episode's out also i have been asked to be a member of the bald gun guy podcast which is a level by level playthrough of the modern hitman trilogy we are just about to end the dlc for hitman 2 with haven island we will briefly take a detour through the sniper assassin uh missions in hitman 2 and then we will go to hitman 3 so uh you can find that on twitter at gun guy pod you can also find it at scanlinemedia.com um you can find me back on tumblr but i don't know if I'm... um why comics is in a weird place at out this month um but yeah, just follow the show at Freewheeling It on Twitter as we're still there for now. Mm-hmm. Email us at freewheeling it at gmail.com if you mm-hmm. have anything. Um yeah, I might be on just do I might be just doing less stuff next year. I might be just doing this. We'll see. Um sure. But I don't want to, you to get burned out because I know you're you're also doing your novel in November, right? Uh, I, I, I failed that. Oh um, okay. <laughs> I got <laughs> I got sick and I had family over. That kind of threw it all. Oh, away. fair, fair. Um Matthew, who does our theme song? Uh, my buddy Jason. He goes by the name Deadeye, D-E-A-D-I, all caps when you spell the man's name. You can find him on Spotify and on Bandcamp. His album, Bloodshed Kingdom, came out this year. It's very good. You should listen to it. Our theme song's on it. It's a wonderful inst- bit of instrumental dub and reggae. He was also part of a duo uh, in the last decade. They released an album called Black Lightning under the name Hope Street Steppers. It is one of the best instrumental reggae albums I've ever heard, and uh, you should check them out. They're, both albums are very good, so uh, give, give my buddy a follow on Instagram. He is at Deadeye Productions, D-E-A-D-I Productions, all one word. He's a really talented musician, and I'm saying that because I believe it, not just because he's one of my best friends. And remember, everybody, to... Uh magic with your twin brother at this holiday season both want magic kits ask your mom and dad get some magic but keep all your fingers yeah keep your fingers don't lose your fingers you'll shoot your eye out kid